I'm not a virgin anymore. There's no going back. I just got a divorce after 10 years of marriage. You can't expect me to just stop. We're just fooling around. We don't go all the way. Come on, I'm in my physical prime. It's unhealthy to deny myself. We're not ready for marriage yet, but we're ready for the next step in our relationship. Look, it's not like I'm out cruising bars or something. I'm in a committed relationship. Come on, I'm married, not blind. It's just sex. Everyone I know is doing it. What goes on behind closed doors in my own home is no one's business but my own. It's just a joke email my buddy sent me. It's just a video. I'm just looking for love. It's just sex. The church tells us not to. Those were rules created thousands of years ago before birth control when life expectancy was, what, 40? The world says it's okay. I mean, we use protection. You know what? It's really just between me and my boyfriend. It's just sex. If I'm looking for a commitment for the rest of my life, I just want to be sure that he's the one. It's perfectly normal behavior. Come on, it's sex. It's not a sin. I mean, it's not like we're committing murder. God created sex, right? So what's wrong with it then? It's just sex. It's just sex. I'm not a virgin anymore. He's got a divorce after 10 years of marriage. You can't expect It's just sex. So what's wrong with it then? Okay, that's pretty normal, isn't it? That's, uh, if you were going to do a, um, a video like that in Rust, and I think you'd hear a lot of those same things, that's the world's thoughts. That's the typical person's thoughts on sex. What we've been studying the last few weeks is God's thoughts on sex. And as we've seen, they are pretty different than most of our thoughts. So let's do a quick review. If you do have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures, but that's a primary one. And let's do a review. Again, this is our third week in our series on sex. So here's the first thoughts. Sex is God's idea, okay? Who invented sex? A little more enthusiasm. Who invented sex? God did. Okay, number two, sex has a a very limited context. In God's idea, we're not going to look at it, but in Mark chapter 10, Jesus said God created man and he created woman, and and marriage is between a husband and wife, man and woman, and that that is where sex in God's thoughts, God's principles is supposed to be. Number three, sex in this context is supposed to be wonderful. Say this out loud with me. Okay. All the men said at that time. Now, women, you help this time. Say it with some enthusiasm. This is just as true as John 3, 16. Sex. Great. You know, a few weeks ago when we did the first sermon series on this, in our traditional service, if you don't know, traditional services mostly, uh, it's got younger people, but it's got a lot of older people. And we, we talked about sex for 30 minutes, and then Wayne led the closing song, Revive Us Again, O Lord, Revive Us Again. Wasn't that funny? Now, ladies, I want to tell you, I've had a lot of your husbands, and I'm not making this up, have told me they really enjoyed this sex series. They really have. And here's what one man told me this week. I told him I would not throw him under the bus and say who said this. But he told me, he goes, Pastor, they're being hearers of the word, but I'm not sure being doers. And doesn't the Bible say that you should be a doer as well as a hearer? And all the men said, Amen. The men in this church are cowards. They're not going to be real strong, but that is the truth. Sex and marriage should be wonderful. That's not Hugh Hefner's thoughts. That was God's thoughts, okay? Now, but there's out-of-bounds things with sex, too, in God's, in God's eyes, okay? Let's, real quick, 
in 1 Corinthians 6.18, it says, flee from sexual immorality. Remember that two-word phrase right there, sexual immorality. New Testament is written in Greek. That's one Greek word, pornea. And it, it is all sex outside of marriage basically is summed up in that two-word English phrase. So here's what's out of bounds in God's eyes, homosexuality. Now, if you'll come next Sunday morning, that's what we're going to preach on. That's, again, I, I believe that's the, probably the hottest topic today in our world and one we certainly need to address to the church. It's out of bounds in God's thoughts. Adultery is out of bounds. What is adultery? Adultery is a married person having sex with someone that is not their spouse. That's what adultery is. Fornication is out of bounds. What's fornication? That's two people who aren't married having sex. And I'm not going to go into all the details again, but remember last week, adultery and fornication is not just intercourse. If it's sexual activity, it's adultery. If it's my wife, it is, okay? I promise you. If it's your spouse, it would be, but it is in God's thoughts. Fornication is not just, well, we didn't have intercourse. Fornication is sexual activity without me going into the details. You don't need me to. That involves fornication, okay? Next, pornography. That's, that's out of bounds in God's economy. And lastly, lust, which lust is longing after a person that's uh, not your spouse and undressing them with your eyes or wanting to sleep with them and you're thinking that going through that. So now today what I want to talk about are some boundary helps. And I want us to do two things. In a moment, we're going to look at how we can help other people stay in bounds. But I want to start with this. How do we stay in bounds sexually? How do you stay in bounds sexually? I tried last week to convince you, in God's eyes, it's very, very important that you do. And in verse 16, excuse me, verse 18 and 19 again, flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside his body, but when you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. That word body means your personality, your physical body, your spiritual being. Do you not know if you're a Christian, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, is the holy of holies, who God is in you, whom you've received from God, the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. Now remember, Paul, God through Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he was not writing to a, a nice little Sunday school class in a clean-cut village. He was writing to the city of Corinth, which was a very immoral place. In fact, more immoral than it is in America today, if you can imagine. In fact, in Corinth was a, uh, the worship of the deity, false deity, obviously, Venus and Aphrodite. There was a huge temple, very magnificent temple to the goddess of sex and love, Aphrodite. And, and there were hundreds of priestess and prostitutes on the taxpayer roll that were there. So when you went to worship there, part of worship was, was having sex. I mean, can you imagine what a unbelievably wild place Corinth was. So it's in this context that Paul's addressing these things. So he knows where you and I are today. And, and God says, listen, why should you not sin against yourself sexually? Why should you stay in bounds? Well, obviously, here's a real clear one. One, you disappoint God and you, you get outside of God's will when you don't stay in the bounds. But also, listen, you hurt other people. You hurt yourself emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. God never tells you to do something because he's mean. God never put anything in the Bible just because he was bored and he needed to fill space. 
I, I read this week and I followed up on it, and it looks like it's pretty accurate. One in four people in America have a sexually transmitted disease. One in four people. Think about that. And, and just crunch the numbers in this room today and think about that. And, and so when God says that marriage has a limited context, a man and a wife in marriage, a husband and a wife, there were many reasons. One, it's just absolutely what's best for you. So how do we stay in bounds? Let me give you a couple of things. Number one, be very honest with yourself and God. This is where it starts. Be honest with yourself and God. Alcoholics Anonymous is a famous 12-step program really kind of the mother of all the 12-step programs. And the first step in it says this, that, that an alcoholic has to come to a point where they admit they have a problem and that on their own, they cannot defeat this problem. Let me tell you, if you are having an affair today or you're close to having an affair or you're involved sexually with someone you're not married to or you're involved with a lot of people sexually you're not married to, you're struggling with homosexuality, you're struggling with pornography, and I guarantee you there are people in this room that are. Are you just, man, you just have a hard time keeping your eyes where they need to be. Healing starts with, with admitting you need help. In Matthew 5, 3, Jesus started the most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit means blessed is the person who realizes they need God, who is not so arrogant and so blind that they won't admit their sins and admit their problems. Healing starts when you're willing to look yourself in the mirror and you're willing to look God in the, the face and say, I've got an issue and I need help, okay? Let me pause and say this. No matter what your issue is this morning, God loves you deeply. You're absolutely in the right place today where people love you. And, and listen, all God wants to do is help you and take you to the next level, which is great. Okay, keep that in mind. Be honest with yourself and with God. Secondly, get yourself right with God. Is it normal to have a strong sex drive? Absolutely. Is it sinful when you get out of God's boundaries with that sex drive? Absolutely. Now, these verses are very powerful. Chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, listen to what they say. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? The wicked will not go to heaven. Don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, here's what he's saying. He lists a, a group of people that aren't going to make it to heaven without a change. Now before we talk about the sexual thing, I think there's people in here that need to be concerned because the habit of your life is you cheat people in business. You tear people up with your tongue. You worship a thousand things except Jesus Christ. God says you're not going to heaven either if there's not repentance. But he also says, listen, if, if, the, if the bent of your lifestyle, not that you slip and fall or you struggle, but if the pattern of your life is adultery, fornication, homosexuality, what he's saying here is that you are not a Christian. 
He desperately wants you to become a Christian. In fact, in these next verses, he says, some of you people in Corinth who are Christians now used to be just like this. Can a Christian struggle with homosexuality or adultery? Absolutely. Can a Christian struggle with fornication or pornography or lust? Absolutely. Here's, here's your test, though. A Christian can't do it and be, and be at peace. You're not going to be happy. A Christian can't continue to waller in it for years and years and years. You slip, you fall, you struggle. But that's a real key test. But whether it's becoming a Christian this morning or whether it's as a Christian coming back to God, understand that if this stuff is in your life, that you need to get right with Jesus Christ this morning. Here's the third thing. Obviously, these go together. Repent and run and run and run. And I'll explain the run, run, and keep running in just a moment. Matthew 5, 28 through 30. Here's what Jesus says. I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Now, what is Jesus saying? That is powerful there. Well, the, the rabbis of Jesus' day, they said the eyes and the hands are the broker of sin. And Jesus wasn't saying literally cut your hands off and pluck your eyes. What he was saying, he was saying, he was talking about lust here. And he was saying, if sexual sin is, or any sin, but we were talking about sexual sin this morning, if it's got a grip on you, it's, it's one of the strongest things short of a drug addiction. And I think there is some actual chemical drugs in your brain involved with sexual addiction that you can face and that the only way you're going to beat it is by being radical and cutting it off and repenting of it and turning from it. You know what repentance is? Repentance is I'm going this way and I turn around and I, I go back a different direction. It's a 180. Here's how most of us repent. We're going the wrong direction and we say, I'm going the wrong direction. So we turn around and then we go, oh, that was really pretty fun though, wasn't it? And so then we spend a lot of our life doing like that. It's kind of like a dance, isn't it? We kind of do the, the 360. Repentance is you're going one direction and that you stop. That's what God's saying here. God's saying that if you're involved in the sexual sin, quit making excuses. Quit saying that's just who I am. God says, stop it. And turn from it. And look at what he says in verse 18. Verse 18 is a great verse. Flee from sexual immorality. Literally, the verbiage there means to run from it and to keep running. And to keep running and to keep running. Listen. Only if you're 25 or older. Nobody, Young people, don't raise your hands or your parents may see you get in trouble. How many of you older, 25 and older, you don't just run from sexual sin once, do you? Correct? Raise your hands. Am I right? It's, you put on the running shoes and you don't take them off until you get to the nursing home. And then there's still problems sometimes at the nursing home, from what I hear. Believe, believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not. Here comes some guy. He's after some woman, you know, and there, it's crazy. <laughs> Sexual sin, if, and, and, and I don't mean this as a pun, but if you stay and flirt with it, you will eventually lose. 
In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, listen to this great verse. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You go, I'm struggling with sexual addiction, homosexual thoughts, adultery, pornography, and nobody's ever experienced this. No, 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 no. Somebody has. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Never blame it on God. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can stand up under. See, God shows an exit. You see these exit things? When the lights go out, those exit things at all the doors, they come on. You can cover your eyes and ignore it and wallow around in the sanctuary. But God provides an exit. And God says, listen, when I show you the exit, you have got to run. Go, this lady at work, man, I just don't know. Get away from her. Oh, this guy, you know, my husband's not real good. He keeps calling. Hang up on him. Oh, this creepy guy at college or this creepy guy at school, he keeps following me around and I might as well. No. If he's creepy, get away from him. Girls, quit pointing at creepy guys right now. Everybody in here knows who Oprah is, right? Oprah. You may not know who Ted Haggard is. T- Ted Haggard, uh, he was a great pastor. He pastored a huge church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And, and I really liked this guy, but, man, he had a terrible fall. He, it came out that he had a drug problem, and he was having a homosexual affair. He rightly left his church. His wife stayed with him. He's, in recent years, he's, he's really repented. It looks like he's, 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 gonna, he's come back to God. And he was on Oprah a few years ago, and he was trying to say to her, what I was doing was wrong and sinful. And here's what the Oprah said to him. Oh, oh, Ted, the the most important responsibility you have to yourself is to not deny yourself. And I'm saying, you've got to be kidding. This is the queen of dieting. She's lost 800 pounds in 30 years. And I'm not... I'm calorically challenged. I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying, how do you lose weight? Cut a leg off or you deny yourself. Amen? Right? What is a diet? It is sitting around watching other people enjoying your your meal while you're eating carrots. That's what a diet. It is denial. For her to say your most important responsibility is not to deny yourself is the craziest, dumbest thing I have ever heard. Life and success is all about denying yourself for the better good. Repent, stop it, and run from it. Here's a fourth thing. Saturate yourself with God's truth. Saturate yourself with the truths of God. And especially mom and dads, listen, and all of us, You are getting so much junk dumped on you, whether you realize it or not, that's not true. Let me just share this with you. Americans spend one-third of their time in front of the TV. Do you know that? Television watching is ten times more popular than any other leisure activity in our country. This is from the Media Project. Average teenager, they say, spends 20 hours a week watching TV. Now, listen to this. Two out of three shows on TV include sexual content. The most widely viewed shows airing in primetime on major networks are even more likely to include sexual content. 
One recent study looked at 50 hours of television programming, and in 50 hours, there were 156 acts of sex. And very few of those were between, uh, you know, it didn't show them all, but implied, and very few were between married couples. Listen to these brain surgeons. Well, theoretically, we believe this could actually impact how people view sex. Well, of course it can. Are they getting paid for saying things like that? In a study of 13 and 14 years old, heavy exposure to sexually oriented TV increases their acceptance of homosexuality and non-marital sex as being okay. Most of you in here remember the TV show Friends. It's on uh, every night, probably even now. It was on from 94 to 2004, and I'm I'm not condemning it or kicking it. I'm just going to share with you a fact. In USA Today, several years ago, there was an article a person actually studied all of the synopsis, plot synopsis over the 10 years, and the character Rachel that was played by Jennifer Aniston, they said in this ten, the 10-year series that she had a sexual encounter at least, with, at least with 20 different men. Now, if you go back to that STD statistic, that meant five of those had a sexually transmitted disease, and the other 15, she was nice enough to expose them to that. Now, by the way, the television show never had that on there. So here's what I'm telling you, especially moms and dads, that's what you're competing with. I mean, it is not, it's not getting pushed. It's getting dumped on us. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, your mind, and your will, your center of your being, because it is the wellspring of your life. Psalms 119.11, God's word, I've hid my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm not saying this because I'm a preacher. I'm saying this because I believe it's right. You cannot be in church enough. Come Sunday morning. Come to connection groups. Come Sunday night. Come Wednesday night. Come on Tuesday and just walk around the building and smell it. (laughs) Read your Bible. Pray at home. Listen, don't pay attention to what I'm saying. Ignore me. You know better. You're smarter. That's fine. And then just understand that your, your family and you are getting junk dumped on you all of the time. I, I watch a lot of news. I watch a lot of conservative news. I'm telling you, it's getting slid in there all the time. Uh, the, the, the standards are getting grayer and grayer and grayer. So what do you have to do if you want to protect yourself? Saturate yourself with God's truth. Number five, get help. What do I mean by that? That goes with everything we're saying. You say, I've got a problem with sex. We have a counselor on staff, Brandon Ramsey. You can see Brandon. He's a licensed professional counselor for cheaper than you can see anybody in this area. And he, he, he does a great job. You can come see one of our ministers. We can help you get to see somebody. But get somebody to help you. The idea in the Bible of getting help from one another is, is very biblical. I, I saw this, and, and this is absolutely incredible too. Statistics tell us that one out of four, one out of four ladies at some point in their life are either raped, whether that's date raped, are molested, or are sexually abused. One out of four. And one out of six guys. And so you may need help just to help you with those issues. And one of the things that leads to sexual problems is when somebody does something horrible to you and takes advantage of you. So get help. 
get help. Here's the last part of this. Draw boundaries. Set yourself very clear boundaries. If you're a married person, you're a married man or woman, if you're going to go out and eat with the opposite sex, make sure there's more than just one of you. If you're on a business trip and you're bored, don't go to the bar from 9 to midnight to hang out. Go to the gym. Work out. Go to the bar and drink tea and carry your Bible. Maybe, maybe fasten it to your chest. That'll keep the STDs away. <laughs> If you know you are fixing to slip with that man or woman, get away from them. You're dating. Don't go back to the, someone's apartment to lay on the bed just to talk. Beds weren't designed primarily for talking. Back in the day, we went in the pickup truck to the cornfield. That wasn't good. It wasn't an agricultural lesson. Boy, doesn't that corn look good, honey? Set boundaries for yourself. Set clear boundaries, what's right or wrong. Ladies, girls, listen to me. If you're with some creepy guy and he's saying, if you love me, you'll let me, you tell him, if you love me, I don't have to let you. Amen? If he loves you, he can wait till he marries you to have sex with you. That, is, I, that started with Cain after he left the garden. If you love me, you'll let me. If you love me, I don't have to let you. That's the truth. Set boundaries for yourself, what you are going to do and not going to do, and don't let anybody disrupt those boundaries, okay? Here's the second big point, and we'll we'll get through this quickly. How do we help other people? How can we help those in need? Okay, you've got boundaries for yourself. You're trying to help yourself. How can I help other people? Here's... Here's a few things. Let's start with dating. You're dating. You're, you're, you're in junior high, high school. You're in college, or you're an older person, and you're dating. Again, set clear boundaries for yourself. One, if you're a Christian, only date people who love Jesus. That doesn't solve all the problems, but it helps greatly. Okay? Set who you're going to date. Know your weaknesses. Know their weaknesses. Know... No, listen, girls, I'm telling you, guys, we are weak, aren't we, guys? We, we are weak. I mentioned this, and I'm going to mention again, about how you dress. Dress appropriately. When you get married, you can, when you're by yourself with your husband, dress however you want to dress. But dress appropriately. We are weak. If it takes you 15 minutes to get your jeans on, don't wear them out. Think about that. That is funny. Men are visual. This is a true study that was done. They, they surveyed a bunch of ladies, and they asked them, if, would you be willing to sacrifice 10 points of your IQ to look like Jennifer Lopez, or, or they mentioned a few people. Let's see J-Lo, Brian. Everybody here know who J-Lo is? So they asked these women, would you sacrifice 10 points of your IQ to look like Jennifer Lopez. And like half the women surveyed said they would. Here's what this dumb guy did. This dumb man, he asked his wife, Honey, would you do that? And it made her mad. She said, Of course I wouldn't. I have a high IQ and I already like the way I look. Without thinking, he said, Would you give up five points? 
Because that's how we are. We're dumb. And we are physically, we are trying. Girls, keep that in mind. We are dumb and we are visual, okay? So in dating, help, help your partner know their weaknesses and know that men are just weak, period. Secondly, wives, hey, about wives helping their husbands. Let's go, to, let's go to chapter 7, verse 3 through 5. It says, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to the husband. The wife's body doesn't belong to her, but also to her husband. The same way the husband's body doesn't belong to his, to him, but to his wife. Verse 5, don't deprive each other, which means defraud or cheat. Don't cheat each other except by mutual consent and for a short time so that you can devote yourself to prayer. Then come together, have sex again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Ladies, I'm not trying to be mean to you. I'm not, your husband have not paid me off. I have been promised some extra offerings if I keep this up for a few weeks. The best way to help your husband is to have a great sex life. I remember these old timers told me one time, he goes, if you can find a woman who can make you happy in the bedroom and in the kitchen, you'll have a happy marriage. May have been right on that. I don't know. Ladies, you married him. Have a great sex life in your marriage. Ladies, help him with that, okay? Now, how can the husbands help their wives? Well, I think the same thing. A a husband needs to be sexually good to his wife. He also needs to be loving and and meet her emotional needs. Men, we don't have emotions. We don't really know what those are. But women do. Read a good book and understand it and and love her and care for her. Let me talk to men and women both for just a second. And if if I make you mad, that's okay. That's fine. Now, if you're you're in college or you're young, you need to listen to what I'm fixing to say because it's very important. How can you help each other? You've got to be real honest with each other. If you were married, your spouse should have all your passwords. Unless you're a CIA agent with triple, quadruple secret clearance, that's, I understand. None of you are. Your wife or husband should be able to look on your phone and see where you go all the time. If you've got to delete it, you shouldn't be doing it. They need to look, be able to look at your Facebook or whatever it is you do. They need to be able to, listen, I hardly ever do this because I'm afraid I'd get bit by a rat or something. But if my, I want to look in my wife's purse, I can. If she wants to look in my billfold or my money clip, she can. Some of you guys are getting tense. Why are you hiding it? I, this is not a lie. I had a guy, I was teaching this one time, and I had a guy, this is in Texas. When I said that, I could tell the guy, they're getting kind of upset. He goes, I don't want to look at my billfold. I said, why? He goes, well, I might have something in there that, you know, like a birthday gift or something. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Maybe every 45 years you will have a birthday gift in your stinking billfold for your wife. And if she finds it once every 45 years, that's okay, isn't it? Don't hide. If you've got to hide it, something's wrong. Husband and wives... They need to see where you go and what you do, and you need to be able to see what each other do. Passwords, everything. And if that bothers you, I'm sorry. That's, that's the way it should be. Now, what about parents helping their kids? Parents helping their kids. Remember what I said last week? That most boys, not most boys, that a lot of boys by age 8 have viewed pornography. By 11, almost all boys have. The biggest users 
of pornography in America today are young men 12 to 17. 90% of pornography today is found on the computer, not at the store on the magazine rack. So you can put your head in the sand, Mom and Dad, and say that my kid won't ever do it, but I think you're crazy. Proverbs 22.6 says this, Train the child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they will not turn from it. Here's how we've mistaken that. We've mistaken that, that if I take them to church on Christmas and Easter and pray over Thanksgiving meal, I've trained them well. That's baloney. Training them well is pouring God all over them. Don't miss six months so your kid can play travel hockey. They need to be in church. You need to get your, church, your kid here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and get, bring them up here on Tuesday just to smell the place. And if this isn't the church for you, find one, but make sure they preach the truth. You need to pray over them. You need to pray with them. And absolutely, I'm sorry, young people, don't get mad at me. You need to have every password to everything they have. You need to be able to look at their phone. You need to be able to look at their computer. Not only need to be able to, you need to do it weekly. You ought to have the computers and stuff anyway where it is public access. And if stuff starts getting deleted, you need to do some deleting of yourself with Mr. Fist and his five friends. Or Mr. um, Symbolically. (laughs) Mom and dad, step up and lead. You lead by getting in front, you lead by staying behind, and you lead by walking with somebody. Lead them. You're the parent. Oh, I'm, you know, I can't make them come to church. I can't make them do this. If you're paying their bills and they're living under your roof, you can make them do it. Be a man or a woman and lead them. If you don't, it's going to end up in disaster. You can protect them. It may be hard, but you can step up and do it. Tough stuff, but man, there's so much at stake. I'm going to ask you in just a moment to make some important decisions. Let's pray. If you're a Christian today, will you do whatever you need to do to get it right with God? To be the husband, the wife, the parent, the young person you need to be. If you're not a Christian, would you pray with me where you're seated and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I I today, I want to turn from my sins. I accept your God's Son and that you died for me, Jesus. Come into my heart today and save me this morning. Let me have your attention just for a second. Just a second, we're going to stand, and when we do, you just ask Christ in your heart, or you're ready to do that. When we stand, would you come today? Would you come today and give your life to Christ? We'll be down here waiting on you. Maybe you'd like to join the church. We would love for you to. One way you can do today is step out and come and join us. We'll be down here waiting on you. We'd love for you to. Christian, maybe today where you're standing, Maybe at the altar with your husband or wife or your family. You need to do some repenting. Or maybe you need to do some committing to God how it's going to be from this point on in your life.
God loves you deeply. And he wants you to make the right choices. Let's stand. You come now as God leads you.